This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Genesis chapter 24. We're not going to finish the chapter today. We're meeting Rebecca and we... We've gotten to this point, and it's an important point in the story. And I want to, as we're spending time uh, meeting Rebecca, understanding that she's a picture of the church. She has a name. She's known. She is tangentially. She is a cousin of Abraham, and therefore she's a cousin of Isaac. And we'll talk a little bit about that. And then she is a picture of the bride of Christ because Isaac's a picture of the chosen, the promised child. He is the promise of God. And if you're just using the Old Testament pictures, and the Bible clearly tells us that we can do that because it, the Old Testament's a schoolmaster and it teaches us things and it gives us pictures and it gives us illustrations of New Testament truths. And that happens throughout the Old Testament and it makes the Old Testament just powerful. And that's why we study the Old Testament, because we can't really understand all these principles in the New Testament without those Old Testament pictures that are so clear and so wonderful. And as we study this morning and as we look at this, I want to just point out some aspects of Rebecca's character and Rebecca's nature that make her attractive, that make her desirous, that make her someone that can be used as a holder of the kingdom of God. And remember, that's what the people of God are. That's who we are. That's who a church is. The church is the ones who have the kingdom of God inside of them. And uh, that's what Jesus said. The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. It's neither here nor there, for it is inside of you. It is in you. The kingdom of God it indwells you. And we are the holders of the kingdom of God. That does not necessarily mean that we access the kingdom of God all the time, but we are the holders of the kingdom of God. Verse 15 says, and it happened before he had finished speaking that behold, Rebecca, and I love it when it says behold, because that says, wow, look at that. If y'all, for y'all who have been under my teaching for any time period, behold for me always means, wow, look at the meaning that's something that hasn't been seen or something that wasn't imagined. It's a, it's really a wow moment. And when we have a wow moment, that means that's something that God is doing that we didn't imagine in the moment. And, and behold, Rebecca, who was born of Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. He goes to this town. He goes to the town where he came from, and he is sitting there watching the maidens come out, the women of the town come out to, to fill their pitchers for the evening so that the, the, each household would have water in the household for the night. And she comes out, and she fills her pitcher, and uh and she is, she's actually the great niece of Abraham, not the niece of Abraham, the great niece of Abraham. And you, you can see how this is beginning to work. The way this works is that Milk Fuel is the son of Milka, the wife of Nahor. Bethuel 
is Jacob's cousin. They are first cousins. When your parents are brothers and sisters, you are cousins. Now, a lot of times people want to don't really understand this, but I have to understand it just because of succession in wills and trust as an attorney. We actually had a little session in law school in wills and trust class where they actually just taught us how to work this out. If my parents and your parents are brothers and sisters, then we're cousins. Now, your children are going to be my first cousins because we're first cousins. They're going to be my first cousins once removed. Now, my children and your children are going to be second cousins because they're one line down. You have first cousins and then you have second cousins. So they are second cousins. Now, my child is your first cousin once removed. Just like I said, your child is my first cousin once removed. Your child or your grandchild is my first cousin twice removed. But now my grandchild and your grandchild are third cousins. And that's the way it works. You go first cousin, parents were brothers and sisters. Second cousin, grandparents were brothers and sisters. Third cousins, great grandparents were brothers and sisters. And that's how that works. And she is going to be Jacob's first cousin once removed. And uh, that means she is of close line, close lineage. That means that she's not a Canaanite. She's not under the curse. She is not uh, a person who is bent toward the worship of uh, foreign gods or the worship of false gods is the best way to describe it. She's not that. She is a young woman. And remember, I t I've told you many times, young women who are virgins are pictures of the church. And uh, she's beautiful. And notice, notice that's an important feature for God in the sense that you need to understand that God sees us as both he loves us and he likes us. He actually likes you. He actually, even though you're flawed, even though you're sinful, God made you and you are pleasing to him. You please him by, and you go, I don't really understand that. Don't you love your children even though they're flawed? Yes, you do. And there's a love there that, that can't really totally be explained for your children. Uh, even though you might not have a great relationship with your children, even though uh, your relationship might even be strained with them, you still have a deep love and care for your children. You are you have an attraction to their presence and attraction to be with them and attraction to know them. They're beautiful to you, even if the relationship strained. Well, that's the same way with God. We're his where he is. And, and we are attractive to him. We're, he desires to be with us. He desires to have relationship with us. And that's why we actually have the relationship, because without his desire to have that relationship, there would be no relationship. And she is she's attractive. She's a virgin. That means she doesn't worship other gods. She's faithful. And I need to go through this because it's important. Faithfulness to God is important. The ability to act on the faith, the gift of faith that God gives us, is an important attribute for the church. We are, by definition, a people of faith. And if we can't trust God, and we're not talking about a forlorn hope when we talk about faith, we're talking about a genuine faith or trust in the creator of the universe. And when we think about that, we you need to understand that God, what makes us attractive is we're a people who will trust him. We'll trust him with our lives and we'll trust him with our future and we will trust him with our today. And we'll trust him with the troubles of our today. And it says, 
And she went down to the well. Notice she's at work. She's at work doing her what she's responsible for. That's another aspect of God's people that that is important. People that are willing not just to not just to do the things that are required, <clears throat> but are actively, regularly, always at work uh, involved in what God has for us. A lot of times you'll have people who. You know, they float in and out of church and they float in and out of this congregation and that congregation. And uh, they're here for two or three weeks and then they're gone for a month and then they're back for a week and gone for two weeks and then back for a couple of weeks. And then you don't see them till Christmas. And those people are not people that are capable at, in, at that time of knowing God or walking with God or seeing the power of God or uh, bringing about any of the purposes of God, either in their life or in the life of anybody else. Why? Because you can't count on them. God can't count on them to act upon what he's saying to them, or even to remember after church is over what he said to them and enact that in their life. They're not a people of consistency. And let me say this about Rebecca. She was a person of consistency. When it was time to go get the water for the family, she went and got the water. Now, that's not an easy work either. And you're sitting there going, she just went and got the water. That's not easy. I, I remember one time when I remember when I did a, a mission trip to Oaxaca, Mexico one time. And whereas in the United States, the higher up on the mountain you go, the more expensive the property because of the view. In poor areas, that's not the case. Because the higher up the mountain you go, the farther away from the you generally are. Because they don't dig wells on top of mountains. They dig wells in the valley. And, and if you have a house that doesn't have running water and your house is 200 feet above the bottom of the valley, that means you got to walk down 200 feet and then you got to carry that water up 200 feet. And water, water weighs, generally speaking, about six pounds per gallon. And if you need five gallons of water, you got to tote 30, gallon, 30 pounds up that mountain. And so I remember thinking that was a dichotomy that made a lot of sense. If you go into America and you buy in a neighborhood and you look at the most, most expensive houses are up on top of the mountain, but we have running water in, in, in places where poor people are. The most expensive houses are down there right next to the well, right next to the water. Why? Because water is of great importance. And water is a picture of the goodness and it's a picture of the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of God's nourishing and taking care of us. And it's a picture of the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. And the women of town in the evening, usually the maidens, it would have been the work of the young women of the household to go out and get the water. So you have to carry this jar and the jar's not going to be just light and it's not synthetically made. It would have been made of clay. So the jar itself probably weighed 10 or 15 pounds and the jar itself probably carried two or three, at least two or three gallons of water. So the jar is going to jar is going to weigh 15 pounds and the water is going to weigh, weigh somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 15 pounds. And these young maidens were having to carry back jars of water, usually probably on their head or on their shoulders, of 30 pounds weight, a 30 pound weight. And they had to do it every evening. They had to be consistent in doing it or the household wouldn't have any water. And that that's important every day. That's what you have to do. And a consistent walk with God requires that every day you do the things required that you might see the nourishment, the power, the purpose, the washing of God's word and the Holy Spirit. You've got to do the things so that happens in your life and that happens in your family's life. Um, 
So many times we make excuses as to why we're not going to be a part of the kingdom of God, as to why we're not going to be a part of, of what's going on because we're tired or we had a busy Saturday or we got something that we really want to do on Sunday and we probably can't fit church in. And you, what you're basically saying is, I'm just not going to the well, just not going to go to the well today. We're not going to the well today. We're not going to the well tomorrow. We're not going to the well next week. And for you're thirsting to death, you're dying for thirst. And then you wonder where God is. Why is it God taking care of me in my life? The reason he's not is because you're not going to the, the woman at the well who, who came in the middle of the day. Notice these ladies are coming in the cool of the evening. The cool of the evening is my favorite part of the day anyway. It's the time where the heat is, is subsiding. It's the time where the sun is not glaring in your eyes. It's the time where uh, there's peace and there's rest. And they're coming out in the cool of the evening and they're getting that cool water from that. And it's a, a time of refreshing. And and people go, I, I just don't know. God just, it just doesn't seem like God's with me. The truth is it doesn't have really have a whole lot to do with God being with you. He placed his, his kingdom inside of you. The issue is that you're just not drinking from the, the reason you're dehydrated is because you're not hydrating. And that's just about the easiest way to, for me to explain it. You're thirsty and you're struggling because you're not going to the well. And that's why the Bible says, do not fail to assemble yourself. That's why the Bible says that we're to go and be in the place where we can get uh, the living water, where we can drink from the well. And if you're not showing up, then it's not God's fault that you're dehydrated. It's your fault that you're dehydrated. You're coming up with cramps because you hadn't put in uh, the resources that God's provided for you to take care of the issues of the moment, the issues of the hour. You're not drinking from the well. And remember, he told that woman that he was he had water that she could drink from that would well up in her to eternal life, which means it would give her life and purpose. And uh, she said, what did that woman who had five husbands and the man she was living with wasn't her husband at that time? What'd she say? Give me some of that. That's some good stuff. I want it. A lot of times Christians act like they want God but the truth is they speak and they say they want God, but their actions are far from anything that resemble them desiring to actually have God involved in their life. And, and I hate to tell you this, don't expect to see God's kingdom and God's best at work in your life if you're not actively and regularly in a position where you can hear from God and know God. You need to, you got to understand that. And, and it, a lot of times people serve in the church and they serve a whole lot and they're active and they're regular in church and they're serving and uh, other people are drinking from the well and then leaving and not doing. Those folks who are serving and those folks who are doing in the kingdom of God are going to receive their reward. But even if you are serving, listen, you need to go, you got to go the extra mile and make sure you're in a position where you're being fed and nursed yourself, which sometimes happens a lot in Bible study every morning. And it can happen on Wednesday night, and it can happen in other settings and other places where you can come and you can drink from the well too, even though you may be serving with the children or you may be doing something with security or you may be doing something as far as worship's concerned where your focus might not be totally on what's going on. You might be running the computers or whatever you might be doing that would cause you not to be drinking fully from the water during the service. There's other places where you need to be drinking from. There's other places where you need to be take part in, in <clears throat> nourishing at the well. Well, Rebecca was a woman who was faithful to come to the well. And her faithfulness is going to ultimately result in her being an important part of God's plan for the world. 
she is going to take a key role in the work of God in the world that we live in. And how did that happen? She put herself in the position to be a part of that. How did she do that? By being faithful in what she was supposed to be doing in her life. And there's just no way to get around that. That's an important principle. And it says, and the servant, meaning the servant of Abraham, ran to, to meet her and said, please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. Notice, notice what else Rebecca is. So she said, drink, my Lord. Notice, she is, she's friendly, she's hospitable, and she cares about other people. And that's another picture of the church. People who are friendly, hospitable, and care about the needs of others is a hallmark of Christianity. Do you know that the United States is the nation in the world that gives the most money by individuals uh, to charity and to other people? And the reason is because, generally speaking, we've been a nation of believers, a nation of Christians. And uh, Christians are charitable. Ch Christians care about the needs of others. And Christians have historically given more than you could imagine to those who are in need. And that continues even we do not depend on anybody else, including the government, to take care of the needs of those around us. We need to, we, we take care of those needs. We see those needs and we try to meet those needs. We care about people and we take care of them. And so I would say to you today that when this servant went and asked for a drink, Rebecca was a woman that is a picture of the church, clearly, because she said, drink, my Lord. And then she quick, quickly let down her pitcher in her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for you and your camels also until they have finished drinking. Notice, she goes the extra mile. She cares about somebody enough to go the extra mile. That's a hallmark of a believer. I know somebody, even no matter how flawed they are, I know somebody is a part of the kingdom of God. And I know that there's somebody that can be counted on to partner with me in ministry by their willingness to serve other people, well, by their desire, their intense desire to see other people served and to see other people taken care of and their needs met, no matter the cost to that person. And uh, I can promise you this, that is a hallmark of a believer that they give to those who are thirsty to they they close those who are naked and they feed those who are hungry and they care for those who are around them who do not have what they have they see what they have as the blessings of god given to them so that they might be like their lord and savior and actually take care of those around them and that is a hallmark of the christian faith and it's a hallmark of the characteristics of a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and those who do these for the least of these have done it for him. And we do all this stuff because our Lord did it for us. And I think at the end of this week, it's appropriate for us to talk about being faithful to God and being faithful to his will and his ways in the world by our actions reflecting his will and his ways in the world. And those who do that, and those who are faithful in doing that receive and reap the reward due them. And I can promise you this, that the kingdom of God is a consistently, regularly being built by people such as this. People who are willing to serve, people who are willing to love, people who are willing to give, uh, even at a level where it hurts them, self-sacrificial giving and self-sacrificial love and self-sacrificial grace poured out on other people builds the kingdom of God. And I'm, I am, I am as excited 
and as fired up as I possibly could be about the church that we are, because we're people who do that. And we started out with a a group of people who wanted to see the kingdom of God advanced and wanted to see other people taken care of, even in the midst of their own deep hurt and deep pain. And they have been about doing that for just now about 22 months. And we've gone from 30 to 40 people who are wanting to see the kingdom of God advance. And we have become well over 100 to 150 people who are seeing more and more added to us. And not just numbers of people added to us, servants of God added to us who are wanting to join in that work and are adding to the army or the kingdom of God at work in our church. And so I'm excited that we have those people. I'm proud to be the pastor. I know Pastor Terry is also of a church that's doing that and couldn't be more, couldn't be more pleased with how things are going and who you are and want to encourage you to be faithful and continue to be faithful and to not give up and to not turn. And you're going to have struggles and the enemy's going to try to make you not keep your focus on God. That's bound to happen. And we've seen that with many of our leaders, situations develop where we've got to do and handle things that we didn't think we were going to have to handle and struggle through things that we didn't think we we're going to have to struggle through. And yet you still remain faithful and praise God that he's given us that. And so I am, uh, I'm, I'm blessed to expect great things for this Sunday and uh, great things for the weeks and months and years to come. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.